0: Today on Locked On Canadians and Locked On Columbus Blue Jackets, it was not 3-1. I mean, it technically was, but we're nice to our friends at Locked On Blue Jackets and we're going to talk about the game. We've got plenty of comparisons of young talent coming up and a couple of mailbag questions. You are Locked On Canadians,
1: your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Hi there everyone and welcome to Locked On Canadians and Locked On Blue Jackets. It is a special crossover edition, uh, we're doing a game recap and so much more, but first, this episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code NHL to get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply, see Sleeper's Term of Use for details. My name is Laura Saba, and I'm not joined, as always, by the wonderful Scott Matla. In fact, I am joined by the equally wonderful, who I like to call not Matla, <laughs> um, and that is Jay Foster, who you might know if you listen to this show. It's been a while since we've done a crossover, but Jay is our delightful friend from across the pond, and uh, he and Scott have never been seen in the same room at the same time, um, and particularly on this episode, on this podcast, they've never been seen in the same podcast at the same time. Uh, So, Jay, thank you so much, first of all, for agreeing to join me. I know you're on vacation um, and I kind of wrote you into this, uh, but I'm just I'm just so happy to talk to you. And I'm so excited that we have quite a wild game to recap today. How are you doing?
1: Lots, lots happened in that game. (laughs) Um, I'm also super excited to record this because it has been a minute. Um, (laughs) Continually funny to me that Scott keeps being out of town. I think he's like avoiding me. (laughs) <laughs> um, I think that's that, that's what's going on, but uh, I, am, I am doing okay. I am in Cincinnati right now, and that game was just real stupid from start to finish, right?
0: <laughs> it was a little bit crazy, um, and it was something where, honestly, it felt like here we go again. And to be honest, to be fair to the Montreal Canadiens, for the last little while, they've had a really good first period, And then their second and third period have kind of gone off the rails in terms of the underlying numbers, in terms of the metrics. Um, This one was kind of the opposite of that. So I first wanted to kind of get a little bit of an idea of what you expected from this game, because from my perspective, I just expected abject disaster.
1: Um, I mean, this is about what I expected. Um, We do predictions on on Locked on Blue Jackets. We try and predict who's going to score the first goal and what the final score is going to be. Uh, and I did predict a 4-3 win for the Blue Jackets, so I, like, wasn't super far off. <laughs> um, i definitely taken the over on goals just because I don't trust Cole Caulfield not to go sicko mode. Um, and the Blue Jackets have been pretty good at scoring goals recently. So, like, it was about what I expected. I didn't expect all of the, like, attempted murder in the mm-hmm. first period. Um, and I didn't expect the Blue Jackets to be, like, so dominant in the first period and then just completely fall apart over the course of the second period before i think genuinely dying on the ice in the third period um, and i haven't looked to see what their overtime numbers were uh, but i'm gonna go ahead and assume that they were not oh yeah they dominated at overtime and then <laughs> lost obviously because uh-huh. that's how this works you know
0: This was really, that's really funny because while I was watching, I didn't necessarily feel that they dominated overtime, but I kept getting the feeling that they deserved to win, right? Like Columbus deserved to win. And Montreal kind of took that away from them. But I did, like, I did want to point out that both of these teams are rebuilding teams and they're kind of, it turns out, rebuilding at the same time. Like I would say that Columbus has maybe a year and a half to two year head start, but it feels like fits and spurts a little bit. And it kind of feels like that because of the injuries, kind of like how Montreal's last year went. And I know uh, you and I talked about it last year. We talked about it. We referenced it on this show how last year, right out of the gate, there were a lot of key injuries on both teams. At some point, there were def- defensemen on the Blue Jackets where, like, the longest tenured one was, what, like, he played, like, a season and a half, If I, if I... Remember so Christy? the longest
1: tenured Blue Jacket was, uh, at, at certain points during the season, the longest tenured Blue Jacket was Andrew Peak, who I think at the time had played about 170 NHL games and is like 25 years of age. So that's, you know, you that's what we're dealing with, you know?
0: <laughs> well, at some point, I mean, at this point right now, Mike Matheson is the only like genuinely tenured uh, NHL defenseman on the Montreal Canadiens. Everyone else is young and or injured. Um, so I like, I feel like, the trajectory is kind of uh, being interrupted. It's not, I don't want to say it's similar. Like I feel like in, on, both, on, on both sides, it's being interrupted. And I know we're going to get into the young talent a little bit more in the second period. This is kind of disjointed because there's so many questions I want to ask. There's so much I want to talk about with respect to Columbus. Like We haven't even touched on Adam Fentil yet, and, and I'm obsessed. So let's let's get back to this game real quick. Um, what would you say the, the Blue Jackets did well Um, on the ice, because I thought even strength, the Canadians were really good. And I feel like their special teams, even though they tend to look abysmal in general, looked a lot better this game than they have in the last couple of games. But I, I, you know, I could be a bit biased there.
1: Yeah, I think both teams, the power play was great and the penalty kill was kind of suspect. If I'm not misremembering, I think the Blue Jackets had two power play goals and I believe the Canadians also had two power play goals. They had at least one. Mm-hmm. um so power play good on both sides um i thought the blue jackets were fine at uh at even strength um especially again first period they were great second period they were kind of mid-leg third period actively bad um i thought power play like I, that was excellent um penalty kill extremely poor i thought it's good it's gonna sound stupid uh i thought goaltending was was very good um especially for elvis um i think he ended up making like 25 of 29 saves or something which doesn't sound great he allowed four goals on less than 30 shots. And but... if you look
0: at the percentage it's 852, right? It doesn't yeah, look great. Yeah, it's not,
1: you know, it's it's not what I would could like look at the numbers and be like, "Oh, this this was a great performance from him." But it was another case of, "Okay, well, it was two power play goals. Um the first goal was just a real stupid turnover that David Severson just like br- his brain blue screened. On it and he just <laughs> didn't do anything as Nick Suzuki scored. And then, like, in overtime, um, it's Cole Caulfield. What are you gonna do about it? So, like, he's had a couple of those games where he's played really well and like yeah, the Blue Jackets needed one to two more saves from him, but I'm not there were a lot of games last year where I, w- I came away from them thinking, wow, if Elvis had been better, we would have won that game. That like he was he was good enough to win this game, and the team in front of him just decided actually, we don't want to kill penalties. <laughs> um, so we'll just we'll just not do that um okay <laughs> cool bye
0: i think the difference between columbus and montreal is montreal's like well columbus is like oh we're not going to kill penalties today you know maybe not f that today <laughs> uh montreal is just kind of like well we want to we just how do you do this all of a sudden they forget even how to skate if they're on the penalty kill but i absolutely adore that you said it's cool caulfield what are you gonna do about it because that's how i feel (laughs) i love him i just and also like real quick to go back to nick suzuki obviously he struggled a little bit out of the gate to the point where people were asking martin st louis about it and martin st louis said that he's not the type of person to like use the media to call out his player but you know suzuki needs knows that he needs to be better They've had those conversations. I, I'm assuming they're gonna continue. I think the problem with Nick Suzuki really was expectation more than anything else.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't think he's necessarily been quiet. I think he just hasn't been trying the right things. And maybe he's he he has a lot of he puts a lot of pressure on himself. Like he's very, very intense about this kind of thing. I thought that in this game he was markedly better than I expected.
1: I was, yeah, I was very impressed with with Nick Suzuki in this game. I mean, like, generally speaking, I'm impressed with Nick Suzuki. I think he's a really underrated player. Um, And he was, I believe, second in all situations in shot attempts four on on the team, or, of course, four percentage, whichever one you want to call it. Um, Yeah, I I don't know. I I like Nick Suzuki a whole bunch. And I think the thing is that, like, some players are just slow starters. You know, like, I know um, Henrik Lundqvist... Who obviously a completely different situation but it felt like he was always kind of a slow starter and there'd be that talk every season of like oh it's november and his stats aren't good what's you know is he getting old is he washed or whatever and then between november and april he would just like be incredible so like sometimes players are just slow slow to get out of the gate you know it's a marathon it's not a sprint nick suzuki is still very young but he's getting older um, and so I think it is just a case of he's kind of learning, okay, I don't need to go hell for leather, like right out of the gate, like some of the younger kids do. Um, but yeah, this, this game felt like a good sign that that's the, that's the Nick Suzuki that the Canadians are going to need down the road.
0: And I do want to point out as well, because a lot of people were kind of sort of writing it off. He was like this in his first season as well. In his first season, people were like, why did the Canadians even get this guy? And now you look at that, that, that trade with Vegas, and it's an absolute highway robbery fleecing thing. Um, and so we're going to talk a little bit more about not just this game, but the Columbus Blue Jackets in general, because I do want to know a lot about their players. I want to talk very much about Adam Fantino. Maybe let's just have a whole segment about Adam Fantilli. Um, And that's all coming up in just one moment in this special crossover edition of Locked On Canadians and Locked On Blue Jackets. But first, this episode is brought to you by Parkview Advance. As a business owner, you realize there are times when receivables might fall behind, but that doesn't mean you need to fall behind on vendor payments, payroll, or rent. For more than 25 years, Parkview Advance has helped businesses secure working capital from $5,000 to $1.5 million. Parkview Advance can approve your working capital in as little as 24 hours. It's a much easier process than you might imagine. We invite the many entrepreneurs that are locked on NHL fans to learn more by calling us at 203-675-0071 or go to parkviewadvance.com. If your business needs working capital, call Parkview Advance today. Parkview Advance, helping businesses with their working capital. Go to parkviewadvance.com Alright, so let's get into the Columbus Blue Jackets and um, your terrible, terrible children. <laughs> I want to start uh, first with Adam Fantilli. Obviously, that was something where, um, did it feel like something generational was falling into your lap without anybody even have to try anything?
1: When the duck's drafted leo carson ice was in a hotel room um in london and i sat on the bed and i cackled like an absolute maniac um because i'd heard the rumblings i'd heard the whispers i'd convinced myself it was wishful thinking um i'd heard that the blue jackets ranking was fantilly and then will smith and then leo carson so i was preparing myself that we were going to draft will smith third overall and i was going to have to be mad about it like no shade to will smith but that was going to have to be mad about it. Um, and this is not like a knock on Leo Carlson. I think Leo Carlson is a phenomenal young player. I think he's going to be the best player on the Ducks for a very long time. Um, however, getting Adam Fantilli and like just watching him play over the past, what, seven games, he's exactly as advertised. And he is, uh, we just talked about this today, actually, in, a, in an interview with someone else he might be the best player in franchise history. And, like, we're trying to temper our expectations, but, like, this is what I imagine watching, like, young Rick Nash was like, you know, I was, it was before my time because I'm a baby. Um, <laughs> but, like, that this is what I, I just, every time he's on the ice, I just get so excited. I'm like, what's this kid going to do next? Like, he has three, he had three points in his last two games before tonight. And, you know, he was just getting better and better and better. And it feels like, every game he figure something new out about the the NHL and the way that the NHL plays and he adapts. And I'm like, just so like, I can't talk about how excited I am because I do just keep going on and on and on about, about this, this kid who, you know, we're temporary expectations. I'm not out You know, I, I like to joke about him winning the Calder and I don't think, you know, Columbus is not automatically a playoff team with Fantilli, but between him and other young players, taking steps forward with the goaltending being solidified with the defense made up of like actual defensemen and not babies and old men. Uh, it's, it's real exciting. And Adam Fantilli is kind of the, at the forefront of, of that excitement for me.
0: Um, I do want to ask about some of the other young players, but uh, let's go back to Zach Warensky for a second, who is no longer a young Columbus Blue Jacket. I think he would be considered one of the veterans at this point, wouldn't he? Mm-hmm game, yes. He's like, like yeah. 25, 26. Yeah. So. Um I'm I was crumbling in a cor- corner when <laughs> you mentioned you're a baby. So like <laughs> we're not going to like focus too much on how old Zach Wierenski is, but he had a phenomenal game tonight. And I know we wanted to talk about that, so I just wanted to circle back real quick.
1: I didn't realize how much this team had missed Zach Wierenski until he came back. Um, because Zach Reinske got hurt, I believe, in the 13th game of last season. He was done for the season by mid-November, you know? Um, and I think you guys are kind of seeing that a little bit with the Kirby Dark injury, um, you know? Or imagine if, you know, if you lost Nick Suzuki at the beginning of the season and he was just done and you you had to cope without him. Like, he's one of those players that you don't realize how good he is and all he, what he does on the ice until he's not there anymore. And I didn't even really fully realize it until he came back this season. And I was like, oh, oh, that's what that's what this is like. You know, Mm -hmm. it's a combination of he's just such a good defenseman that I think gets a bad rep because his contract is probably a little bigger than than it needs to be. Like, just because he's not a nine point five million dollar defenseman every night does not mean that he's not a very, very good defenseman. Um, you know, so it's it's kind of a weird in-between thing, but he does the little things right. He can score, he can skate. Uh, he's, you know, a more than competent defender um, in terms of, uh, you know, in, in defensive rankings on the team. But by him being here, it means that you can push guys back to their rightful positions. Like, our first defense pairing last season was Andrew Peak. And Erika Branson for like large partial like large part, of the season. Yeah, you don't need Branson paying. Twi- you don't need him playing twenty-seven minutes a night, and that's kind mm-hmm. of what he was doing near the end of last season. So he's playing, you know, 15, 16 minutes a night. Looks like a whole new defenseman. Ivan Provorov uh, has been kind of getting a bad rep because uh, both of the overtime winners have kind of been his fault. Like um, so, the Blue Jackets lost to the Ducks in overtime on Tuesday night. Clear breakaway. probably did we could to get back wasn't enough, and then tonight uh, he didn't do enough, in my opinion, in overtime. But for the most part, he's been very good for the Blue Jackets. Um, Damon Severson has again kind of quietly been excellent, apart from some gigantic brain farts that I think we saw in New Jersey as well. Of he'd be very very good, and then he would just completely like just shut down for a second, and then reboot but it's too late. The mistakes already happened, you know? So he's been very good. And so it means that those guys don't have to play on the, the, the that number one defense, um, especially Provorov. Provorov doesn't have to be the guy here because Wierinski's the guy. And so I think we got, we get a better Provorov than they got in Philadelphia because he's in a more uh, ideal role on the second pairing. So it's kind of a, a knock on effect of Zach makes everyone better because he's a good person to play with. And with him eating all of those minutes, it means that we don't have to play players like Erica Branson or literal 19 year olds uh, for, you know, 25 to 28 minutes a night.
0: <laughs> Speaking of literal 19 year olds, we did uh, take a circle back into the defense. I did want to ask about uh, of the young prospects who have either uh, not yet made the Blue Jackets or are about to or have had you know a couple of games who do you think is an underrated player that we should be looking out for? Cause I got to tell you, I did watch that New Jersey game. It was a bit frustrating um, at times, but um, I like, I've been trying to choose exciting players and exciting teams to watch this year so obviously I've been trying to get a little bit of Buffalo I've been very curious about Detroit haven't had a chance to watch that much but I, I'm trying to fall back in love with the idea of hockey teams with potential and promise so who's an underrated or under the radar type player who would be your sleeper pick to be somebody to watch over the last the next couple of years
1: um I mean if the like on the team right now um, so David Yuricek got sent down at the end of training camp. He was not on the opening night roster. He got called up when Zach Wierenski injured in the home opener, because again, this team is cursed and this is what happens. Um, played the two games that Wierenski was out. And you look at that, you looked at the team and there's just no excuse to take him out of the lineup. And so he's been in the lineup. I think this is his fifth straight game or his sixth, sixth game. He's not going back to Cleveland, I don't think. Um, he is another one of his players that you can see, you can almost see him, and you could see this with Ken Johnson last season as well. You can almost see them like working it out on the ice. Like you can see things click in a way that's like really, really satisfying and really gratifying to watch. And so David Juricic I think is maybe not going to be a, a star defenseman. I don't think he's going to be, you know, like Kale McCarr level, but I think he's going to be a very, very good defenseman on this team. I think he's probably going to be the best defenseman on this team in maybe 5 years time. Um oh, wow. which is which is really exciting. Um if you're looking for a guy that's like not on the team yet but probably will make the team soon, um Carson Coolermans is a really really exciting player. He's kind of the, the first round draft pick that got forgotten about because the Blue Jackets had six of them over the past three drafts and everyone <laughs> got really excited about Johnson and Sillinger um in 2020. Carson Coolemans was the third First round draft pick that the Blue Jackets had, um, in that season. So he kind of gets forgotten about because then obviously Gira, check and Matejuk get drafted next year. Adam fantilla the year after that, and Carson Kuhlman's is over here. Like, I think he was he was leading his team in scoring as a uh, by defenseman in his freshman year and his sophomore year at, at um, Wisconsin, and he's a very raw player. I think, but to me, that's exciting because you can kind of look at what the Blue Jackets organization needs and then just like mold them into that. You know, right. so if you need an extra offensive defenseman. You can probably make that, of course, and Kuhlman's into that. Do you need a defensive defenseman? Do you need a two way guy? Do you need a stay at home guy? Like there's just there's a lot of there's a lot of possibilities with Coolman's with game. And I think that's really exciting.
0: Um, We haven't talked about coal cylinder yet this season, and we're going to do that. Uh, And we're going to do some (laughs) mailback questions as well. And all of that is coming up in the next segment. But first... This episode is brought to you by Sleeper. A new NHL season, which is what we're now in, brings all sorts of possibilities. Maybe a player on your team scores 50 goals, or you know your team, not mine, your team might uh, hoist the Stanley Cup. And you could win big by playing daily fantasy hockey on Sleeper, the official daily fantasy app of the Locked On NHL Network. Sleeper is our number one choice for daily fantasy sports, and especially daily fantasy hockey, because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash, in daily fantasy hockey contexts. I personally, for me, I know we're all watching, you know, the players that were recently drafted, but I feel like I need to go to the tried and true players. Somebody like, I hate to say it, an Austin Matthews, Somebody like Connor McDavid. Those are the types of players that, you know, I would consider a player to take to win 100 times the money. And all any of us have to do is pick these players, record more or less their sleeper projections for anything like goals, assists, saves, plus, minus, or more in any given game. And to win a 100-time bet on Sleeper, you need to correctly predict the outcome of eight player stats. You heard me, Canadians fans and Blue Jackets fans. You can win 100 times your money playing daily fantasy hockey with Sleeper. So start paying attention and nail your picks so you can start winning big. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code LOCKEDONNHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details and locational availability. All right, it's almost time for the mailbag and we're going to do, full disclosure, we're only going to do select mailbag questions because there's a lot of them that are a little bit more Canadians focused um, and Scott and I will do them next week. Uh, We've got plenty of late night games so we'll be doing a lot of late night mailbags so make sure you catch all those episodes. There is, I believe, a Vegas game that's really late and a Coyotes game that's really late and for whatever reason, they're in the middle of the week. So, either way, that's when we'll ask the bulk of the mailbag questions but I think I want to talk real quick about Cole Solynder. We've only got about seven minutes left of this episode, so we can't do an episode without talking about him.
1: How's he doing? He is doing much better than he was last season. Um, I think last season he took a real knock to his confidence, um, has kind of built himself back up. He has started developing some really nice chemistry with Kent Johnson, which is very funny because I feel like they are just complete polar opposites uh, in terms of like personality and um, things like that. So that's that's fun. If they find them another winger that can click with those two, I think that... And that's the third line at the minute. Um, I think that's going to be a really sneakily underrated third line. Um, I don't believe he has a ton of points, but he has looked really really good um let me see if I can put his points real quick um, um he yeah I, I I like Cole Salinger a lot I'm happy that he seems to have kind of figured it out he's growing some truly awful facial hair at the minute but like <laughs> he's, he's 20 years old so I'll, I'll allow it um he has two assists in seven games so far which doesn't sound great but like I said I think he's looked really great um from, like, the neck down. Um, <laughs> <but> no, he's... <laughs> I, I think he's figured it out. I think last year was a real... year. like, it's a sophomore slump. You know, sometimes it happens. And mm-hmm. I think he's come back this season ready to kind of forget that and to get on with being a player that, you know, the Blue Jackets picked at 12th overall.
0: Right. And that was the thing, too, is that, like, I, I know that he's one of the players that you were most excited about and had, um, like, a lot of... Like, had projected to with a high ceiling well I've forgotten how to talk like this is my job (laughs) and I can't talk um this is one of my jobs everybody um but uh but yeah so like I I feel like we were really really excited about him and then there were some issues last year and I think this kind of ties into some of our mailbag questions we got Scott did an episode yesterday about Uri Slefkowski and a lot of our mailbag questions have to do with with Slefkowski and most of it is people telling each other either to calm down or that they're not worrying about Slavkovsky enough. Um, so I did kind of want to pick your brain on this a little bit because I feel like as a Habs fan, I have this inherent bias where I want to be, I want to be proven wrong. Like that was not the pick that I would have wanted. But if you look at the rest of that draft, I don't necessarily think that, you know, whoever it was, it, it was Shane Wright versus Uri Slavkovsky. Slavkovsky ended up going first and then Shane Wright dropped to I believe it was fourth or fifth and Seattle took him. I feel like Logan Cooley would have been the one. Like in hindsight, he's the one that I would have chosen, if that oh, makes for sense. Sure.
1: But I think there's a lot of, and I've, this might be me just kind of seeing my little corner of, of Habs Twitter that I see, uh, because that's simply not my business. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of, like, revisionist history going on of, man, the Habs could have had Cooley and Mitchkov and they're getting Slavkovsky and Ryan Backer. And, like, the Habs were never going to draft Logan Cooley. No one saw this coming from Logan Cooley, you know? Like, there was... There was nowhere. There was no way that the blue, that the, the Canadians, excuse me, were going to take him. It was going to be Wright or Slavkovsky. And like, I personally liked Shane Wright a lot more. Um I don't know how well that take has aged. Obviously, with Slavkovsky being in the NHL and Shane Wright in the AHL, but also not doing all that great. <laughs> extremely young players, both yeah. of them. You know, and I think and what what I think you are going to get out of here is, and forgive me for trying to like predict the question, but like. I don't know that you're allowed to worry about a player's development until they've at least turned 21. You know, yeah. Um, it's very much, and we we go through this as well, uh, like on in the blue jacket side of things. Of, there's Do a lot you? of talk about this player is a bust, this player is a bomb, this player should never be in the NHL. And you look and they're like talking about a 22 year old. You know, right? Like, sure, there are some worrying signs in his game. Um, I didn't think Slavkovsky had a great game today. Uh, maybe that's just because I wasn't paying all that much attention to the Canadian you know, side. No, it's played things. better at
0: the previous game. I think it was. He
1: was he was he was perfectly fine. He, was, know, fine. he, yeah, a bad he game, was fine. Yeah, game, but he wasn't. You know, noticeable in the way that some players are.
0: He wasn't uh, like... dominant, and I think that's what people keep waiting for. But I don't think he's being assigned dominant dominance assignments. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. I think his assignments are a little bit sheltered because I I got into a lot of trouble saying that the Canadians were taking it slow and they're like what do you mean they're taking it slow? They put him in the NHL and I think the assignments that he's being given like to me say that they're taking it very slow with him. But I think I think you're right because what I wanted to ask you is like you have a very significant corner of Habs Twitter like a very specialized a highly specialized corner of Habs it's like four people yeah yeah but like for me like in terms of like the Col- Columbus Blue Jackets fans a lot of the times, the ones that I encounter are the people leaving really mean messages <laughs> in in your show um show comments, and I get really angry at them. Um and and um I, like I'm curious, like does the sky is falling thing happen with you guys as well?
1: Oh, 100. Uh, percent. It happened with Cillinger last year when you know, and last year was weird, and a lot, some things that happened were I think because Cillinger probably got rushed to the NHL too early. You know, it's he was 18. He was the youngest player in the NHL by, like, at least a year last uh, in his rookie season. You know, probably he should have gone back to WHL, the USHL, for whatever reason. They put him in the NHL because the team was terrible, and they were like, hey, why not? Mm -hmm. Um, Last season, I think he struggled. He didn't get consistent ice time. He didn't get consistent line mates. Um, And I think, honestly, the most important thing at that age is, more more than assignments, more than, like, who your specific line mates are, but Consistency is key for me. And he didn't get that. He was bounced up and down the lineup. He was bounced in and out of the lineup. Eventually got sent down to Cleveland, where he finished the season. Um, he's kind of come back this training camp. I thought he looked good but not great. Um, and then yeah, he's had at least one consistent line mate for most of the season now. It's he's kind of been stuck at him and Johnson have kind of been stuck together. Cause I think what Pascal Vincent, the head coach, is doing is building lines based on duos so like mm-hmm. he's kind of stuck Goudreau and Marchenko together we stuck Fantilli and Lionel together and then he's kind of building around that for better or worse Kent Johnson and Carl have been stuck together um I'm going very long on this answer I will wrap it up in just a minute but um <laughs> I think that's that for me is the thing that kind of I don't worry as much anymore because again he's 20 years old and just because he had one bad season he had a he had a bad sophomore season that's not a reason to you know the sky is falling, throw the whole player in the bin and start again, you know? And I think there's kind of been a little bit of that with Slavkovsky last season when he went to the NHL and wasn't immediately dominant despite being a first overall pick, you know? Yeah, Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't. Look at Jack Hughes. Right. Jack Hughes had, what, 20 points in his rookie season? And now he's got 17 points in, what, six, seven games, you know? It goes back to what we were saying about Nick Suzuki. Some guys are slow starters. Some guys right. just take a little bit longer to bake. Like, I'm I'm not... I'm the opposite of worried about Slavkovsky. Is he going to be the dominant force that a lot of Canadians fans think he could be? Like, maybe not. But I think his ceiling is still high enough that, like, it's okay to chill out and wait for him to get better. And the other thing as well, like, one, one more thing. Um, the Canadians <laughs> are not going to be challenging for the Cup in at least a couple of seasons right so it's not like there's all this pressure that he needs to be ready now he needs to go now he needs to join this core and they can start pushing for the playoffs you know right he's he not the missing as piece. The team grows.
0: yeah he's not the missing piece and it's not like the canadians are not going to contend because he's not ready right 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 and i really love that answer because like i'm I'm starting to get really influenced by just the discourse in general. And I'm mm-hmm. like, should I be worried? I keep saying we shouldn't be worried. And then I'm like, should I be worried? Um, and I have one last question. It is a mail back question. It is specifically for you because you are based in the UK. Somebody is going, uh, I think it's Ryan Lee or our good friend Ryan Lee is going to the United Kingdom very soon and wants to know how to watch the NHL uh, from the UK. Uh,
1: so the fun thing about the UK slash Europe is that NHL TV still exists. Um, I know that they've kind of killed it over in North America, but uh, I have NHL TV. That's how I watch. Um, Also, you can get a, I have a VPN for work. And so I can use that to access Hulu and ESPN. Um, So if you are a subscriber there, you can do that. Um, But yeah, if you want to just, depending on how long you're there, just like get a free, a free trial of NHL TV. I think they give you like a week free or whatever, Um, or just get it for a month and then cancel it and you can watch all of the games to your heart's desire, um, and have a good time—or not a good time, depending on what Canadians team you're watching.
0: <laughs> yeah, Listen, I can say point that
1: point. because I've watched some miserable Blue Jackets games. Over the past <laughs> two seasons. So, like, I get it, house fans. I really, truly get it.
0: It's yeah, it's 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 going to be an interesting season, I think. If if people just stop dying on the <laughs> ice like that, I, that would make me happy. In the meantime, we are going to wrap this episode up. Jay thank you so much for doing this crossover with me let's start with with the Blue Jackets show where can people find
1: you uh yeah i usually i do a bit about how i can't in good conscience recommend people paying attention to the blue jackets but <laughs> we're doing okay at the minute so uh you can find me on twitter at underscore jacob foster j-a-k-o-b-f-o-r-s-t-e-r you can find the show at l-o underscore blue jackets on twitter we are wherever you listen to Locked On canadians uh every podcast app you can think of or over on youtube or on sirius XM and uh how about you, Laura? Where can, where can my wonderful Blue Jackets everydayers uh, tune in for the Josh Anderson content?
0: <laughs> I also cannot, in good conscience, recommend you follow the Montreal <laughs> Canadiens. But if you want any Josh Anderson or Cole Caulfield small goals boy content, uh, you can find us anywhere you get your podcast, anywhere you find Locked on Blue Jackets, as well as on YouTube. Uh, and we are on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can find me at The Active Stick. And you, from my, you can find my co host at Scott Matla. Uh, pretty much everywhere. Thank you everyone for listening and we will both see you next time.